0: You're listening to the Agony Column News Report, trashotroncom slash agony. The new novel by Sabah Tahir is A Torch Against the Night. Thank you for joining me, Sabah. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. This is a very interesting follow-up to An Ember in the Ashes. Talk about controlling the scale of your world-building because What you reveal about the world is as much a pull to us as readers as the plot is.
1: Um, I think that I often have to dial myself back. Um, There are times where I want to describe a market or um, a character for pages and pages. And then I have to ask myself, uh, how much is this giving to my story? How much is this propelling my plot forward? And then I have to sort of, you know give myself a kind of slap on the hand and say stop you know bring it back to the story so a lot of times the way that I scale things down and make sure that I'm only focusing on um on the story and that the the setting is you know a, a, a sort of a support for that story um I I kind of do that by asking myself that question with every chapter you know what is this adding to the story is it necessary
0: your chapters in the first book are focused on the points of view of Laia and Elias. In the second book, you bring in Helene. Uh, talk about restricting yourself to two in the first, adding the third in the second, and the challenges of adding the third and keeping it distinctive from the first two.
1: In the first uh, book, I really wanted to tell an inside-outside narrative. I wanted a story that was um, told from two points of view, um, and that allowed us to see the um, the world I've created, which is very, very stratified from very very different uh uh world view uh, viewpoints. And then with the third book, um I had this character in the first, her name is Helene, she's the best friend of one of the main characters, and I wanted her she had sort of been lurking around my head for a while, um, wanting to have her story told, but she didn't fit in the first book. And so I knew that by the time the second came around, I was going to need eyes in the Empire because my other two characters are not exactly where they were before. Um, and I felt like Helene was kind of the best way to do that. Um, and, and she was she was ready to, to speak.
0: Will you be adding new characters in the later books?
1: I can't answer that. Top secret.
0: <laughs> uh, Talk about uh, the masks because this is a really interesting uh, (coughs) creation in your book. Uh, What are the masks? They're they're not exactly like uh, Halloween masks.
1: No, they're not. Um, So... A mask is a soldier of the empire who is sort of a super soldier. And the reason why he's called a mask is because he wears a mask. And it is a sort of silver mask that goes over the face from the forehead to the jaw. And it's open around the mouth. And it's like a silver skin. When these these students at this academy where masks are trained, when they first get the mask, they're about 14. And they put it on and it's it's separate from them. But then as they go through their training, it sort of melds with them. It's a sentient metal um, It's a living metal. um, And it becomes a part of them. And I got the idea, actually, from, uh, again, watching the news. um, And I saw an image of uh, riot police fighting with protesters somewhere in Eastern Europe. And I remember looking at these protesters, and they had such emotion on their faces. You know, they were angry, they were frustrated, they were scornful. And they're they're facing off with these riot police. And these riot police, you know, they have their batons, and they just have these big riot shields pulled over their faces. And you can't see anything you can't tell what they feel what they're thinking and yet they're people still right and they must be feeling something and they must be thinking something so then i thought what if i created that sort of dynamic right of 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 the the riot police and the rioter, but you could see the eyes if, if you're a rioter if you're the second class sort of citizen you can see the eyes of these masks and there's still no feeling there. There's still nothing there. So you're looking at a human, but it doesn't look like a human because there's no emotion in them. That's sort of where the idea of the mass came from.
0: This book uh, involves some um, mass movements and human migrations and, and big conflicts. Uh, talk about designing those conflicts and keeping your characters on with all their feet on the ground running, uh, literally almost running for Two straight books, uh, and uh, but also keeping track of the helping the readers keep track of the bigger characters, uh, conflicts in the background.
1: I think that so much of the book is based off of our world. Um, And so it doesn't require a ton of creativity to sort of take, like you said, you know, mass migrations like the the Syrian refugee crisis or, you know, uh, a war zone uh, related conflict like the Sudanese genocide and kind of putting that into the book and figuring out and using that as a background. And then in order to kind of keep the characters grounded and keep the reader grounded with the character the conflicts are very much, they're very personal. It's about family. It's about love. It's about getting, you know, surviving day to day. It's about um, saving the people you care about. It's about your own um, your own future and your own destiny and, and how you can you can either take that and, and try to change it or how you can just let it happen. And that's sort of how I keep the characters grounded um, and how I keep myself grounded in them instead of sort of herring off and exploring the rest of this world.
0: This book sets up a... a a society in conflict with two kind of basic faces. Uh, There's the uh, marshals and the scholars. Explain to who, who they are and why they're at conflict.
1: So their their names kind of give them away. The scholars used to be um, a very, very knowledgeable and um, sort of academic focused and um, knowledge based society. Their sort of motto is this idea of, of knowledge ma- makes you transcendent. It, it gives you everything that you need. And then you have the marshals and they're a very war based society. They were very clannish, you know, in, in in the past and they've sort of banded together and they came down from the, the north um, of, of this place, this, this empire that I've created and they kind of crushed the scholars, and they take over their empire. Um, and they create their own. Um, and it's this really terrible, terrible place. Um, we, we, you know, they're the exact opposite of the scholars. And all they want to do is sort of crush and reign and oppress. That's that's their MO.
0: <laughs> this is a novel that's uh, filled with violence. And uh, you do two things, I think, very well. You you call a spade a spade. And, and when the violence is well identified, yet it's not so awful that it's just this mind numbing uh immersion in gore. Talk about um creating a military conflict where we understand that what's being done is violence when rape is being committed a word that that does come up in this book um and versus you know not getting lost in that sea of of gore.
1: Well, again, I think it's important that the characters take center stage. And, you know, if I had, you know, a gory, violent conflict in the very beginning in which they killed, were all killed, well, that there wouldn't be a book, right? <laughs> um, and so I think it's really a matter of zeroing in, zeroing in um, on the conflict. I'm sorry, on the violence um, when it is necessary and when it's something that the characters are coming into contact with directly. We're sort of following them. So when they come into contact with it, that's when we see it. And I, I wanted to put this this sort of realistic violence in and this idea of, of, of a war zone actually being accurate, you know, trying to portray it accurately, because I have young readers and I didn't want to lie to them. Um, I think what makes young adult books so special is that we don't lie to our readers. We don't talk down to them. I never wanted my reader I never wanted to do that disservice to them where I didn't think that they were smart enough or that they could take it. I I know that my readers, many of whom are teen readers, are very savvy. They're very smart and they understand how the world works. And so in order to to write for them, I had to portray a realistic world. I had to portray a war zone that actually looked like a war zone as opposed to sort of a sugar-coated war zone where nothing bad ever happens
0: you use a few elements of the fantastic in this from efforts to the, and, uh, gin to something you call the Nightbringer and, and, uh, the, the soul catcher. I, I love the soul catcher. She's really a lot of fun.
1: She, um, again, is someone who's been sort of waiting around to come into the book. Um, and, um, and she was interesting to write because I wanted so much to keep giving her more page time, but then I had to pull back because <laughs> I wanted her to also keep her mystery. Um, and that's sort of the 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 always conflict for writers, I think, is not not giving away too much.
0: The new novel by Sabah Tahir is A Torch Against the Night. Thank you for joining me, Sabah. Thank you so much. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report, trashotroncom slash agony.